I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this latest edition of the La Liga Lowdown podcast. My name's Tom Harris, and I'm joined here by Catalan football expert Roman de Arquer to preview the match day three fixtures. How are you, Roman? Good. Looking forward to, to more football because, I mean, that previous match day was pretty cool, but uh, I'm sure we'll see even better games this weekend. Yeah, it's relentless, isn't it? You don't really get much of a rest in La Liga with having the Monday games and then starting again on Friday. It's really quick turnaround. Like you say, we're back today to preview all the games. We're going to go through them all chronologically we're going to mention all 20 teams that's what we do here at the legal lowdown we try to give an equal coverage and we're going to get right into it and start with the first game of the weekend on friday which is girona welcoming celta vigo to montedivi so girona they got off the mark in la liga with that big win over getafe on monday the first win since they returned to la liga they're at montedivi again here do you think this is another chance for a statement win here roman I mean, it's, it's definitely got the right conditions for it, you know, playing at home after a fantastic win uh, the previous match day I, and seeing that the squad is, is, you know, is playing pretty decent football, getting goals. Uh, Stuani getting on the score sheet was very important for them and Tati Castellanos too. So, I mean, uh, they have decent firepower. They're looking good. And I think uh, Celta de Vigo, which hasn't really started off uh, the best way this season, uh, is a great opportunity for Girona to to at least get a point and, and very likely three points because uh, they're, they're a strong team at home. And I think this is another, another good chance for them, basically. Yeah, they certainly are a strong team at home. I mean, Castellanos, he scored his first goal um, last weekend, a really nice finish. Um, kind of dinked it over the on-rushing keeper. You know, there's a lot made about his move to La Liga. He scored a lot of goals in MLS. And, you know, I was really impressed with his off-the-ball movement. I thought he could really form a, a lethal partnership with uh, Christian Stuani to three up the space for him. You, you know, you mentioned with Celta, you, you're not massively convinced. I mean, they played some really good stuff against Real Madrid, as we mentioned on the last pod, but perhaps they just went a bit too attacking against such a big team. Do you think we'll see them really going at it again against Girona? I mean, I do think that uh, Celta's style is to be brave, you know, and it's not just uh, with the current manager we've seen it in the past uh, seasons where, where it's a team that likes to try and go forward, try and be quite offensive. I mean, when you have players like uh, Yago Aspas, you have to make the most of that, you know, and uh, definitely they're going to try and, and follow a similar Similar style, I think, because this is time they're not playing Real Madrid, you know, and, and Girona is definitely a weaker side all over than, than Real Madrid is. So in that sense, they're going to try and exploit their advantages, especially in attack, the pace they have, the, the quality they have going forward. And I mean, they have they have 
done or made some decent signings, you know, with with Oscar Rodriguez, with Paciencia, uh, even Carlos Perez coming in from from Rome, ex Barcelona player. I mean, there, there's there's a lot of talent going forward, and they're going to make the most of it. But as but as I said, sorry, uh, Girona should be a strong team at home. It won't be an easy game, but uh, definitely an interesting one, one to watch. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it's going to be a very exciting start to the week and I can see quite a lot of goals on that one, not to tempt fate or anything, but I'd definitely <laughs> tune in to that one if you're around. I mean, straight after that game, we move on to Real Betis. They're hosting Osasuna um, in Seville. Two sides actually with 100% win percentages um, early on in the season. Osasuna, of course, have played their first two games at home. I'll said out of this is the first time they'll be away. Can you see Osasuna frustrating Real Betis here? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a possibility. Osasuna have started really strong this season. Um, maybe they don't play the most fantastic or, or elaborate football, but they're very effective, you know, and, and with their current manager, they've been doing really well in the past seasons, a strong mid-table side. And uh, knowing that Betis also, you know, are struggling to, to still register quite a few of their players, uh, that could pose as a little bit of a problem for Pellegrini, who maybe uh, doesn't need to rotate so much at the beginning of the season, but you still want to have, you know, guys available, maybe uh, already start giving rest to some, take into account it's going to be a very long season with the World Cup in between. Uh, so in that sense, it's it's not great or ideal for, for Real Betis. But uh, yeah, I mean, Osasuna uh, at home, or oh, at home are a stronger side, that's true. I mean, in a way, maybe they, they're not as reliable, but still, I think they're going to put up a fight and it's going to be uh, probably a low-scoring game, I'd say. Yeah, I tend to agree with you on that one. I mean, interestingly, it was Sam Leverage who mentioned it a couple of podcasts back that it took Borja Iglesias, a Real Betis striker, eight game weeks to score his first La Liga goal last season. He's already on three this season after just two match days. You know, admittedly, two of those were penalties. But Real Betis have actually won the last 12 games that Borja Iglesias has scored in. So it's a very good record. You know, with Borja Iglesias starting off the way that he has, with, you know, obviously Sergio Canales and all the other players that Real Betis have, do you think they have a chance for the top four this season? I mean, as I said in the previous uh, pod in Man City 2, I, I do think there's going to be an evolution, you know, for uh, Pellegrini's men. And uh, it's definitely, uh, they're definitely going to need Borja Iglesias at his best because when, he's, when he signed for them, uh, it was surprising to see that he wasn't really the goal scorer we saw previously at Espanyol or at Zaragoza. You know, he, he really struggled at the beginning, but with Pellegrini, he's began to recover his some of his best form. I think still has potential for more. And if he can keep up, uh, I mean, definitely they are going to be contenders. They're going to fight for that position. Although for me, I do think the big three, of course, uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid and Atletico are slightly above. And I do see Villarreal also being very competitive. And for me, they'd be the fourth. But uh, if, if it's not them, definitely, I think Real Betis will be the, the main contenders for that fourth spot. Yeah, so it's a fascinating race, really, with, like you say, Villarreal and Real Betis. I mean, another team involved are, you know, potentially Real Sociedad. They're the, the next game on the agenda, the first game on, of the Saturday games. And they, they travel to Elche. Um, Elche got off a mark with a 1-1 draw last weekend against Almeria. Um, and, you know, we've seen links this week of perhaps um, Mojica on his way to Villarreal. Obviously, Elche have brought in a few players as well. Who, who are the main players to keep an eye on in this side? And do you think they can perhaps hurt Real Sociedad? Well, I mean, I was impressed uh, in the game against Almeria because Elche 
uh, despite conceding that goal, uh, they could really feel the support of their fans in that game and and in their stadium. They seemed pretty strong. They got their goal back and they were pushing, you know, for for another one. And uh, they have quality. I mean, Goyado, of course, in his debut, already scoring for them. Uh, he's got a lot of talent. Maybe still not Barcelona level, but I mean, for a team like Elche, I think he can thrive and and prove to be very useful for them. Um, also, I was very impressed with Tete Morente, who surprised me quite a lot last season, and he's really kept up his level this year so far in the start. Uh, he's definitely one of those guys that can, that can help, help them going forward. And I'd like to point out Lucas Boyer, who recently came out for, back from his injury. He had his first minutes against Almeria, and, and he was really good before all the injury troubles he had. And I think uh, uh, Elche can really make a lot of good use of him because he's, he's a good talent. And if he can get back to his best form scoring those goals, I mean, I see him playing in a stronger side in the near future. Yeah, completely agree with that one. I'm a big fan of Lucas Boyer, and I think with Roger Mati as well coming in from Levante, he's the second highest La Liga goal scorer in Levante's history, so he clearly knows where the goal is. And yeah, completely agree with that Collado point as well. I mean, I mean, talk about goal scorers. You know, we've got to move on to La Real and, and talk about Alexander <laughs> Isaac. I mean, absolutely out of nowhere, really. Today, the news came that Newcastle have agreed a you know reported seventy million plus five million add-ons bid for um, Alexander Isaac. What next for Real Sociedad, do you think, then? Because, you know, how much of a, a loss is that going to be for uh, um, Aguasil's side? Well, I mean, it's it's quite a blow because if you keep in mind that Oyarzabal is, is still injured for a while and he's the, the their other main player going forward, uh, Carlos Fernandez, he's also injured, but he hasn't really been that decisive, let's say, as, as Isak. I mean, it's a blow because, for example, for the next game, they can only really depend on on their youngster, Karikaburu, you know, who, uh, of course, maybe isn't used to these situations of having to start uh, uh, take into account you've lost your, your main striker. But if there's a manager that can make the most of these younger youngsters, it's definitely Alguacil. We've seen it in these past few seasons, you know, where he brings uh, guys from the youth system and, and they thrive immediately or they really perform quite well. So, I mean, I uh, definitely want to be... Um, in Alguacil's hands, sorry, uh, in this kind of situation where a youngster has to step up. But at the same time, they're going to have to really look quickly because there's not much time left in, in, for the transfer before the transfer market closes and they're going to have to try and see what they, there's available. Maybe uh, Raul de Tomás is an option because he's also considering leaving Espanol or something like that. But of course, uh, there's little time, although there's a lot of money. We'll see if they have to spend a lot of cash or, or they can find a cheaper solution. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Noya Thaba, as you mentioned, a massive miss for Real Sociedad because when Alexander Isaac wasn't scoring, it seemed like Oya Thaba was the one scoring instead. Um, I've been impressed with Mohamed Ali Cho off the bench. Obviously, very, you know, flashes in the pan, really. We've only seen a few kind of runs from him and a few chances, but, you know, he looks like a player who could eventually step up to fill Alexander Isaac's shoes. But yeah, it's going to be a, a, a very interesting couple of days until the transfer window closes, that's for sure. So moving on, the next game on, on Saturday, we have uh, Rayo Vallecano playing at home for the first time this season against um, Mallorca. It's been an amazing start to the season for Rayo on the pitch. Obviously, we've heard about their off-the-pitch issues. Two tough away trips, a win, a draw, and yet to concede a goal. But of course, it was their early home form last season that was so breathtaking. You know, they, they, it was nine wins and a draw from their opening 10 games that we started with the Vallecas. Do you think this is a chance for them, you know, at home to Mallorca to, to extend this fantastic start? 
Yeah, I mean, it's probably the best rival they could get now to, to keep uh, adding points uh, because honestly, I do think Mallorca will be fighting once again to to avoid relegation. I'm not very convinced uh, about their, their squad for this season. And Rayo, on the other hand, you know, they start really strong. They're still probably missing a striker up front that can maybe give them an extra step uh, in competing uh, further towards uh, the end of the Liga. But uh, still, I mean, playing at home, they should uh, get good results. And as you mentioned, you know, last season, their start was, was phenomenal. phenomenal. Sorry, And if I'm not mistaken, by the end of the 2021, they were, uh, if not the best, one of the, the best home sides in all European leagues. You know, I think they were at the same level as PSG or something like that. So that comes to prove how incredible it was to see uh, Rayo Vallecano getting amazing results at home. But unfortunately, the next part of the season was, was quite terrible terrible for them but now they've managed to, to bounce back it seems they've started really well and I mean as I said having Mallorca at home is definitely a good chance for them to add another three points yeah definitely but obviously with Mallorca they, they travelled themselves to San Mamés on, on the first day of the season and they kept Athletic Club quite you know with Ernesto Valverde's return um, and they have had a few kind of battling results over the last couple of weeks I mean I've seen a really bright start to the season for Kangin Lee um, obviously, ex-Valencia youngster. He's still only 21. Um, he assisted, you know, he's a really good assist for him, Venet Moriki's goal last weekend. Do you think this could be his big season and do you see him causing Rayo any problems on the weekend? I mean, yeah, definitely. He's one of the guys to watch out uh, for Mallorca with maybe Muriki. You know, they're their main uh, offensive um, weapons they have. And I do think it's kind of uh, this season, Kangeli should 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 show his, his true level if he really wants to uh, become a top player because he's got that special something. You know, you can see it. He's, he's got that quality. We've seen it in Valencia. We've seen it last season in Mallorca. But maybe he's miss, missing that consistency. I don't know if it's maybe uh, attitude or if it's mentality or maybe he needs to have more minutes on, on the field. I don't know what it is exactly, but uh, I'm sure he has the quality to, to, to shine. And uh, uh, hopefully this season he'll manage that because, I mean, Mallorca are going to need him more than ever. They're, they won't have Kubo anymore, you know, uh, to going forward to, to have that special spark, we could say. He's, he's one of those kind of players. And, and yeah, uh, we know that Aguirre's teams um, might not be the best in terms of playing impressive football, but they, you know, always really big fighters they try and give their 100% every game and they're, they're going to fight although as I said before I do think they are really going to struggle yeah really fascinating to keep it tabs of Mallorca I think and especially Kangin Lee as we've just mentioned so the final game on Saturday and the final game for this part is Sevilla against Almeria and you know with Sevilla we, we've talked about their, their tough start um, might seem silly to say this already but is this already a must-win game for Sevilla well, rather than a must-win for Sevilla, I'd say it's a must-win for Lopetegui because mm. um, I think Sevilla still can can get very good results uh, or get really far, you know, in, in the competition if, if if they win maybe in the next few games. But uh, Lopetegui, on the other hand, he's coming from last season, the end where it didn't really work out for him too well. Uh, they were dropping lots and lots and lots of points and really struggled towards the end. And this season, it started in a very similar. Uh, with, with a very similar pattern. So, I mean, uh, Lopetegui really does need that those results himself because the squad is good, he is strong. It's true that he has lost Diego Carlos and Koundé uh, at once, which is uh, definitely a big blow, you know. Uh, we know that a team like Sevilla is, is kind of forced to sell players when such big offers come in, as Monchi said recently. You know, they, they depend on that money. Uh, but still, it's not really 
enough of an excuse, you know, for Lopetegui to, to keep using if he does use that uh, as an excuse uh, because uh, this, the squad going forward is still super strong. But I do think they have been slightly unlucky, you know, because they've had good chances. Uh, their XG numbers are really good. Their shots on target are, are quite high. Uh, I mean, they, they generate good football offensively. So sooner or later, I think the goals will go in. So I would be patient with Lopetegui at least for a while because I mean he he knows uh, how to manage a team he's a quality manager uh, so yeah we'll have to see how that evolves because uh, Lopetegui despite everything is in the tightrope yeah I completely agree with that I mean we saw Real Valladolid travel to the Ramon Sanchez Pizuan last season uh, last week and and give severe problems Almeria they you know gave a good game to Real Madrid on the opening weekend they they got their first point on the board last weekend at Elche can you see an upset here or do you think that the quality will will ultimately tell? I mean, an upset is definitely on the cards. I mean, we've seen in these first two games that Almeria uh, has firepower and especially in those counter-attacks, they can do a lot of damage. And I think that's what that's going to be their main weapon against Sevilla because Sevilla is going to try and have the ball, try and go forward. And the pace of guys like Ramazani, Mbarba if he plays, uh, the quality, finishing quality of, of Umar Sadiq, you know, that's that's really dangerous. And we know, as I said before, that Sevilla's defense is very vulnerable at the moment. It's still, it's still being worked on. Uh, and I, I definitely see Almeria getting one or two past uh, Sevilla. So I think Sevilla will have to be uh, quite effective going forward and get the goals if they want the win because Almeria are a very dangerous side. Fantastic. Yeah. So that, that's your first five games of the weekend already, as you can tell, quite a lot of finely balanced games uh, to look forward to. That's it for part one. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with the next five games, including Barcelona, Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
Hello and welcome back to the second part of the La Liga Lowdown Match Day 3 preview podcast. I'm here again with Roman and we're going to dive straight into the Sunday fixture. Plenty to talk about in this second part. We're going to start in Madrid and we're going to start at Getafe. Miserable start for Kike Sanchez Flores' side, it has to be said. You know, their fans will be hoping that they don't go on to lose seven on the bounce again like they did to start last season. You know, do you think this is just a, a tough start for Kiki Sanchez Florida to side, or do you think there are some problems here that need to be fixed? Well, I mean, at this point, we could maybe still say it's just a tough start. You know, lots of new players, uh, lots of changes. And of course, uh, it takes time sometimes. Also, uh, let's not forget some of those signings, like, for example, Luis Mia have been unavailable. And I think he can be a really key player for them. Also, Damian Suarez unavailable, you know, uh, other important guys, Aladerete, who's just signed, he might not even be available either. So, I mean, all of this kind of build-ups to complicate things a bit in the first few games. Uh, but despite that, he will need to get those results sooner rather than later, you know, because, I mean, when a club like Getafe spend that money or go, go for so many strong uh, mid-table player, uh, mid table players, then they need to, to get results and they can't really afford to, to start like they did last season, as you mentioned, you know. Uh, so maybe uh, that could be also a bit of a, a problem in the sense that the fans might get start to panic, you know, and start to feel like uh, the story is repeating itself once again and they really want to stay away from that. So in that sense, Kike needs to get results soon. But uh, of course, uh, at the beginning, just two games, uh, let's keep it, keep it relaxed a bit and, and let's not jump to conclusions. Yeah, I mean, on the other side of the coin, we have the visitors, Villarreal. I mean, they couldn't have really gone much better for them um, at the start of the season. That 2-0 win at Atletico Madrid last uh, last weekend was mightily impressive. Five goals scored, zero conceded. And they seem to have Hitafe's number two. They've won the last six consecutive games against the Madrid side. So, I mean, as a Villarreal follower, I'm, I'm very used to, you know, seeing this up and down league form, you know, do you see this as a routine victory for Emery's side or would this just be kind of classic Villarreal to lose this one after winning at, you know, just over the road at the Metropolitano last weekend? Well, I want to think they're going to kind of fix that, you know, uh, that they're going to start uh, getting the wins in more in a routinely manner. And I, I do think they should be capable of, of beating Getafe. I mean, as you said, uh, their record is really good against the side and seeing that the problems they're having, uh, Getafe are having at the start of the season, I think uh, Villarreal could really exploit their, their, their quality, especially going forward. I think Getafe are going to try to... Uh, really sit back you know a lot because um they're not they're quite vulnerable in, in defensive positions we saw against uh, girona for example and or atletico madrid and seeing how Villarreal have started this season uh beating atletico madrid uh, and, and, and you know playing good football with the offensive weapons they have and all that uh, i think they should get a relatively comfortable win but of course as you said Villarreal can sometimes surprise us and when you least expect it drop points but let's see if, if Emery has finally found a way to, to correct these uh, these uh, frights they get now and then against the weaker sides. Yeah, fingers crossed, definitely. So <laughs> moving on to the next game of the day, we have um, FC Barcelona hosting Real Valladolid at uh, Camp Nou. So we all saw that sensational attacking performance last weekend. You know, here in the UK, it was available on ITV4. So <laughs> quite a lot of people were able to watch that game. What impressed you the most about that performance on a one? Well, what, what impressed me the most was uh, Chabi's way of, of solving the game. Because I think in the first 60 minutes or so, um, Barca were struggling. I mean, they weren't really having domination, the possession maybe that they 
uh, like to have in the middle uh, with that formation of three center backs i think that was generating a bit of the problem and the players aren't fully adapted to that system i think the four three three does work better but then um, in the first game against Rayo Vallecano, he, he brought in a lot of attacking players towards the end of the game uh, as if it were a bit of playing as if you were playing pro evolution soccer or fifa you know where you bring all, all your star signings and then put them in front and they'll score goals but in football it doesn't really work that way so i felt like that was maybe a strange move against rayo but he did it again uh, by bringing on Ansufati and uh, Rafinha, and it really worked this time. So, I mean, credit to Xavi for kind of uh, finding um, Real Sociedad's weak spots, and with, with those two changes, the, the game really turned around completely, and from there on, it was just uh, Barca going forward, and it was four goals, but maybe it could have been a few more, you know? So, if, if Xavi can kind of uh, start to fix uh, these problems Barca is having, especially, I think, in the midfield, they, they need a bit more control. If they can do that, uh, I think, uh, against Valladolid, we could see also a big chunk of goals from, from Barca. Yeah, I mean, we have to mention Ansu Fati after his cameo performance on the weekend. So it's obviously two assists and a goal off the bench. You know, there's a bit of debate around Ansu Fati because obviously his injury record, you know, people don't want him, you know, to tire him out. People don't want, you know, any unnecessary stress on that dodgy knee, you know. But given his performance, you know, do you start Ansu Fati or are you, you, you know, lying on the side of caution here? No, I think you definitely start him. I mean, when you have a player of his talent uh, with that uh, inspiration and with that football you have to make the most of them you know and i think he definitely uh should and i think he'll likely start the the game yeah as for Valladolid, um you know they're back in la liga after a year out last season in la liga smart bank they've already held sevilla as, as we were talking about before at the ramon sanchez piswan and um, i'm sure you remember two seasons ago Valladolid did cause barcelona quite a few issues that camp now it was only a last minute winner from Usman dembele against the 10 men that actually you know gave Barcelona a slender 1-0 victory over Sergio's men. Do you think Barcelona had just have too much this time or is there any chance that Rayo Valladolid can frustrate Barcelona? Um, also, let's not forget, they still have their main striker baseman injured. You know, he was really good in the second division and uh, they are going to miss him and they are missing him in, these, in the start of the season. They're, having, they're playing with Sergio Guardiola, who's, who's all right, but I don't really find him uh, too good enough, maybe, if you want to really survive in, in the first division, you know, and the Barca, on the other hand, they've spent um, a lot of their future income, we could say, in making a strong team at the moment. So they need immediate results. So that's why I think uh, they're really going to go for, for La Liga this season and they're, they're going to have to win these games if they want to compete against uh, Real Madrid and other clubs. So in that sense, I think Valladolid are going to have a really tough time. Yeah, fascinating time store. I mean, staying in Catala uh, Catalonia, we, we move across to Espanol. They're hosting Real Madrid this weekend, so it's a very difficult tie for uh, Diego Martinez's men. It's been, it's been slightly underwhelming, I think, for Espanol. I mean, I was watching that game against Rayo last weekend that they lost 2-0 at home. You know, I noticed in that defeat, six of the players on Diego Martinez's bench had fewer than 30 minutes in La Liga to their name. Three of those players had zero. And I think the front three with, you know, Ruben Sanchez is 21 years old, a kind of converted fullback. Nico Melamed, you know, 21 years old again, not exactly prolific alongside Hosnou. Do you think Espanyol are lacking options and, you know, perhaps an attacking spark up front? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, it's been a very hectic season uh, in terms of, of players departing from the club this season. You know, there's lots of changes because, of course, Diego Martinez come in, but then they've, they've lost Diego López, David López, Didac Vila, Oscar Melendo, Loren, Morlanes, Ángel Herrera, 
Wule and Barba, you know, I could go on because there's still more players. So that just comes to prove how this team is, is, is really changing and not just in attack, you know. And we start to see what happens with Ralde Tomas, who is very likely going to depart. And that's going to definitely uh, be a big blow for them in attack because, I mean, the, the prospect of having Jose Lu on RLTF and Diego Martinez as a coach for me was incredible. I really thought that maybe they would be contending maybe even Europa League positions, you know, because those two up front together could do a lot of, da- a lot of damage. But then at the same time, they haven't really reinforced their attack. Uh, of course, Dani Gomez has come in and Jose Lu, as we mentioned, but I'm not sure that's enough if Espanol want to take it up a notch, you know, and, and compete for, for bigger things because, I mean, they have the capabilities they have a president who can really or i think who can spend a minimum amount of money to improve stuff but it's not really uh, being played in the right way but there's still some time they have still a while till the transfer market closes not too much time but they still need to find something else i think in attack and, and solve that RDT situation which which is crucial for them yeah, for sure. I mean, I think for me, just just looking, you know, purely at the shots taken, you know, Raul de Tomas had 101 shots in that league last season. That was second only behind Karim Benzema. Adrian Mbarba as well as a prolific shot taker. You know, mm-hmm. it feels like they're lacking that kind of player to make something out of nothing. You know, Jose Lu obviously scores a lot of goals, but he does need service. So I think that's something to look out for for Espanyol. You know, obviously they're up against Real Madrid, as, as we said, a very daunting prospect. They were absolutely lethal against Celta on the counter-attack. Yeah, how, how do you think Espanyol can go about stopping them? Or can they? Exactly. Can they is the question. And I honestly don't really think they can. Um, unless there's some miracle masterclass from Diego Martinez uh, and he brings out this formation or, or tactics that surprise us all, I really just don't see Madrid losing this game because also uh, we know that historically Madrid are very good against Espanyol. They tend to get uh, really positive results and I don't think that's going to change in this match. And honestly, yeah, unless Diego Martinez or José Lu himself comes up with some uh, magical performance, I really think Espanyol are going to have a tough time and yeah, the start of the season isn't looking great at the moment. Mm. Might we see plenty of goals on Sunday evening just like we did last weekend. But moving on to Monday, we have two games left to cover, the first of which, Cadiz hosting Athletic Club. Two defeats in two for the Cadiz. You know, a lot of us were worried here at the La Liga Lowdown squad, you know, at the start of the season that they were going to go down. You know, granted, they've had two very tough opening fixtures, but do you think generally they're up against it in this relegation race? Definitely. I mean, they're going to be another of those contenders once again. Uh, Sergio Gonzalez, I'm not a massive fan as a manager, even though last season he did manage to to avoid uh, going down. And and the big setback for me for Cadiz is the fact that they're not going to have Ruben Alcaraz in a big while, you know, because uh, he came in halfway through the season. He was a uh, fantastic uh, signing for them. You know, he really proved an important player in that midfield. And of course, that injury he picked up a while ago and it's going to still take a little bit for him to recover is, is definitely a big problem for them. And they really haven't moved too much this in this transfer market. You know, I, I thought that with the squad, they, they needed some improvements in basically every single line, uh, but they really haven't done much. Uh, so for me, unless they do something in these uh, last few days or weeks or whatever, I mean, they are really going to struggle a lot because I don't think uh, their squad is, is strong enough, even though it's true that at home, uh, they are quite a solid team. They, they don't tend to concede too many goals. Uh, they defend quite well, but I just don't think that's enough to, to avoid relegation. 
Yeah, I have to agree with you on that one. I mean, you know, looking at the forward line again, there's Choco Lozano, they're a very good player. But other than that, it's Alvaro Negredo, 36 years old. Mm -hmm. Lucas Perez, exactly. 33 or 34, I think. And he missed a golden opportunity last weekend. So if, if one of those strikers isn't performing, then, you know, they're up against it. Yeah. So, you know, this athletic team, we've been talking a lot about their inability, seeming inability to score recently. Um, looks like Ander Herrera is on his way to athletic club. You know, of course, they have limited transfer capabilities. They can't really go out and sign anybody that they'd like to. But do you think they still need that striker? And, and could they perhaps find one? I mean, they definitely need it. But exactly as you said, it's, it's going to be very hard for them to actually find it because they're really, really limited. Uh, it's true that uh, Nico Williams has kind of broken through last season and he's definitely good to have on the field, even though he's not purely a striker. He's more of a, a wing, wing player. But uh, yeah, I mean, Raul Garcia is also aging. You know, he's not uh, giving the goals he used to. And I thought Oscar Sancet might be the new Raul Garcia in a way because uh, when he was available for... Uh, for the team last season, he he did look like a very dangerous player going forward. But so far with Valverde, he is playing more as a as a midfielder, which is quite a surprise. So maybe if Ander Herrera arrives, he'll free Sanchez to maybe play more attacking positions and, and help out the team in that sense. Because we we do know that Iñaki Williams is still young and is still um, got plenty of quality, you know, for this team. But uh, sometimes you can tell they need something else. And it's true also that Berenguer has been stepping up of late. But yeah, I mean, ideally, they should manage to find uh, someone who has some sort of uh, Basque second cousin or something uh, <laughs> so they can, can play in, in Athletic Club next season. Or this season, sorry. Yeah, no, fantastic point about um, Herrera coming in. Maybe that will allow Sunset to resume that striker role. I think it would be very interesting to follow that and see how Ernesto Valverde makes the most of what he's got Athletic Club. So the final game of the weekend, Valencia at home to Atletico de Madrid. And, you know, obviously we were talking about that Atletico Madrid defeat last weekend to Villarreal. It brought crashing down to earth really after that euphoric kind of start away at Getafe. You know, Villarreal with a, you know, possession heavy quality on the ball. Valencia as well under Catuso trying to play that kind of similar football. Do you see a kind of similar contest here where Atletico will be struggling to impose themselves? Well, I mean, it's never easy to play at Mestalla against Valencia. So in that sense, it's never easy. But uh, I do think Atletico are, are a superior side. Um, as you said, Valencia are kind of shifting to a different side, style of football. So, I mean, that also is going to be, take a bit of time to assimilate. Uh, so, I mean, Atletico have, have more weapons also overall. You know, they're, they're a deeper squad. And uh, I think uh, Villarreal were just just another level for, for Atletico in that game. And I think they're another level compared to Valencia at the moment. So I think that Atletico should manage at least to, to win this game. But yeah, they're definitely, it's definitely not going to be a big uh, game with lots of goals in that sense. You know, I think it's going to be a tight result, but I think that Atletico should be, should have enough at least to, to win it. Yeah, I mean, if they are going to have enough to win it, it it's down to Morata and, and Felix and Griezmann once again. You know, there's a lot of talk about how Diego Simeone should line these three up. Do you think it's, I mean, obviously it's only after two games and one kind of stalemate, but do you think it's time to change up that Morata-Felix front two or, you know, introduce someone like Cunha or Correa or somebody like that? Or do you think they should stick with what they've got? Well, I mean, I, I think Joao Morata is definitely a, a strong uh, two players going forward. The thing is, 
that both of them kind of depend on momentum a bit. You know, Morata has streaks where he's scoring lots of goals and then suddenly where he disappears. And Joao Felix, similarly, you know, last season where uh, he was really not performing to the standards, but then suddenly he was playing uh, incredible football for, for quite a while. So if both of them are, are in a good shape, I mean, for me, they're definitely two of the starters. Uh, and the other question is whether Griezmann should play more often, because let's not forget that um, if he plays more than 45 minutes in over 50% of the games he's available, Atletico will have to pay 40 million euros to Barcelona. And it seems like uh, they're trying to avoid that. So I think that's one of the reasons we're seeing a very little of Griezmann in the start of the season. And I think that's something that's limiting Cholo Simeone very much. And I'm sure he'd be uh, wanting to play him more often. So they're going to have to... Uh, see what they do about it, about this, whether they come to some sort of agreement with Barcelona where they pay less money or, or, or what, because, I mean, Griezmann wants to play, take into account the World Cup is right around the corner, you know, uh, and he wants to be selected for France, so he needs to have minutes. So it's a kind of a, a complicated situation there for Atletico Madrid and for Cholo Simeone. But uh, at the moment, I think Joao and uh, Morata is probably the more reliable two players uh, going forward. Yeah, crazy situation regarding Griezmann. Really, we saw his goal on the opening um, on the opening win away at Hitafe, really nicely taken, and and his goal actually in this fixture last season at Mestalla, a brilliant goal that he carried the ball from the halfway line and fired it into the top corner. So, remains to be seen how Diego Simeone will line up his side. That just about brings us to the end of this episode. I hope you've enjoyed listening to Roman and myself go through the match day three fixtures. Plenty to look forward to and plenty to be seen on the La Liga Lowdown socials. We'll be posting our newsletter. We're posting, obviously, more podcasts throughout the week and more reaction on our Twitter feed. So make sure to follow us. Make sure to give everything a read. And yeah, we'll be back soon. Thank you very much, Roman. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure, Tom. <laughs> We'll see you soon, guys. Bye-bye. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.